Hey there, Pastor Mark Jordan here from Hope Church. Thank you for stopping by and welcome to our online ministry. While you're here, make sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can stay up to date on all the content that's released. And while you're online, visit us at our webpage at placeofhope.org. Hope Church is on a mission to introduce people to Jesus and fuel their love for Him. And we hope that this message today is helpful and inspiring for you as you continue to take your next step on your faith journey. Once again, thanks for visiting us and make sure to check us out at placeofhope.org. Feel pumped up? Man, I almost did my Jesus jig for you, but uh, I don't know if anybody's ready for that, <laughs> except me. Anyway, hey, welcome again. I'm sure I'm glad that you are here. We are beginning a new series today that will take us roughly to the end of the month called Greater Reward, as you'll see on the screen there. Uh, and uh, as I was putting this series together last month, it came from a place, which is our topic for today, of basically feeling out of control. You know what I'm talking about? It can happen in so many various areas of life, right? We can feel out of control when things just don't seem to go the way that we feel they should or that we would prefer or that we would prescribe. And so this idea of feeling out of control can happen in so many different ways. If you happen to have your Hope Church Plus app handy, this might be a good time to go ahead and open it up. The second card from the top is uh, the, the logo for the sermon today, and you can tap that and have the follow-along notes with it. But I want to ask while people are looking that up, what is an area in your life where you have experienced that feeling like you were out of control? Anything? Budgets, yes. I hear you, Daniel. Absolutely. Feel out of control of finance, especially right now when we can't control what's happening with uh, the fuel prices. And I'm talking about fuel at the pump and fuel that I pump in my face, uh, right? Uh, food, what else? What, what's another area we get out of control? Crime yeah, crime is taking place, absolutely, absolutely. Any other areas that you're thinking about? Relationships, I hear that in the back? Parenting, wow. If we could only control our kids, right? Talk about a rude awakening. What are some other areas? So we've talked about finances and parenting and relationships and crime. Yeah, what are some other things we might feel out of control? Sickness, yes. Isn't that the truth? I mean, and you go through the processes of getting better and feeling better, and then you get hit with another diagnosis, right? I mean, yeah, it just, it's, you're right, Emmanuel. Oh, what was that again? Jobs, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, what was that in the book? Time management, yes, Debbie, absolutely. Time management, you know, time keeps us slipping away at some Sometimes. Yeah, these are areas where we can feel out of control. What happens when we feel out of control? What do you feel like when you feel like you're out of control? Anxiety, yes. Stress, absolutely. They get. Oh, what was that? Depression, yes. All those are linked together. Anyone feel angry? And that one of those responses, you know, anger leads to, I was about to drop in some Star Wars there for you, right? uh, anger leads to hate, hate leads to suffering, you know, suffering is the path to the dark side, but uh, anger that we experience, if it's not, it has to go somewhere, and we oftentimes 
try to hold it in thinking that that's a dignified and a mature response. But what ends up happening when we have unresolved anger is it creates anxiety and stress and can lead to depression. And so that's one of those things that we talk about, stress and anxiety. And I oftentimes can feel anger, right? Frustration well up. These things have to be dealt with. They have to be processed. Otherwise, they turn into things that we do not want them to turn into, anxiety and depression. And so if you think about your life and areas where you've either experienced it in the past or going through it right now, where you feel it kind of coming into the future, are you at a spot where you can identify some of those, those feelings, some of those emotions like anger, stress, depression, anxiety, things that crop up with how you feel when you feel like you're out of control? And of course, sometimes when we get out of control, there's a temptation Love how I put that extra southern syllable in there, right? There's a temptation. There's a temptation just to throw all caution to the wind and say, I'm just going to dive in and God's going to forgive me. So that's what we're really talking about uh, with this series. Today is help. I'm out of control. Help me. I'm out of control. Next week, we're going to look at why can't I change? But today we're talking about help. I am out of control. And all of these different things that we've looked at this morning, feelings that we can have and experience All of these things come down to uh, that feeling of being out of control. Our primary Bible text for today's message comes from Romans chapter 7, selected verses. They're all going to be on the screen, and I'm using the New Living Translation uh, this morning, uh, at least for this first part. And so let's look at these verses together this morning. And as I read through them, you can follow along on the screen. I want you to think about how this might relate Or you might relate to this, but this also might reveal some things that you're feeling and experiencing in your own life. Are you ready? So this is the Apostle Paul writing. He says, I really don't understand myself. I could almost just stop there and say hallelujah, amen, and go, right? But there's a whole lot more to get through. I really don't understand myself. And then hear these words. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. And I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin? And death. This passage, friends, is so personally poignant. Now, the way that the ancient Greek runs or reads, there really isn't any punctuation like what we use. And so when you see the punctuation on the screen or on your Bible, these are ways that they've been, these are things that have been added in the English to help us understand it based on our own grammatical rules and things like that. But I can almost sense the Apostle Paul as he's writing this passage in this stream of consciousness, right? Why do I do things I don't want to do? Why do I do things that I hate? I know what I should do, but I don't do it. I don't do the things I should do. And it's almost like this desperate plea against his own human and, as he wrote, sinful nature. Have you ever, in those times and those places where you have felt out of control, sat down in prayer or in texting or in typing or in writing, if you still have any ink pens around the house, right? 
Have you ever sat down and engaged in a stream of consciousness type screed, right? A verbal vomit, an emotional purge where it's like, I just feel so out of control. I know I have. And there have, times, there have been times I've responded favorably, times unfavorably, times when I allowed my sinful nature just to say, you know, what's it going to matter, right? Uh, one of the things I used to say all the time when I was dealing with my own uh, mess was, you know, I didn't get heavy overnight. I'm not going to lose weight overnight. Therefore, I'm going to go ahead and eat the entire pie. Right? So those were some of the things that I, that I wrestled with, that I dealt with in my own struggling when it comes to things like, why can I not seem to just get in control? Any fans of the Muppet movie? I, I love that uh, scene where animals, the drummer, and then you know, they calm down and the animal, what, what, how does animal respond? In control. And so every now and then I'll do that. If you ever hear me go, in control, I'm channeling my inner animal, right? The primal screams within me that says, get it together, Mark. Now, there is a word that is found in the scripture, in the New Testament in particular. And it is a word that we use in our common nomenclature and vocabulary that helps us get out of that sense of feeling out of control and to get into control, to get on top of things. And can you imagine what that word is? It starts with a D and ends with discipline. It's discipline. That's exactly right. Discipline. Now, in the New Testament, the book of Hebrews talks about how discipline isn't pleasant when you're going through it, but it's absolutely essential to be able to learn to live a healthy, vibrant, meaningful life. Discipline is essential. Discipline is essential. We've got four bullet points really here. Really quickly, we're going to go through to help you understand what we're looking at when it comes to discipline. Discipline is first choosing what you want most over what you want now. Right? Discipline is choosing what you want most over what you want now. And that's hard. It requires some discernment and some reflection. What is it that I really want most? It is recognizing that our desires, I'm sorry, desires, don't determine who we become, right? You may want whatever fill-in-the-blank is, but if you're not living accordingly, it may never happen because this is point number three. Disciplines determine who you become. should be on the next slide. Disciplines determine who you become. And the reality is that willpower doesn't work. Willpower doesn't work. Now, it might work for a while or for a season, but have you ever been in a place when you're feeling out of control and you have that approach like, I'm going to pick myself up by the bootstraps and I'm going to be great, and then it gets more and more difficult to follow that willpower, especially when people around you are not living with the same sense of willpower or discipline or goals or perspectives or preferences as you, right? Willpower doesn't work. Willpower uh, is kind of like a muscle in the fact that the more that you have to use it, the more fatigued it becomes. And that's when rest comes in. But see, discipline, as we look at these four different things, choosing what you want most over what you want now, desires don't determine what you become, but disciplines determine who you become. And coming back to that idea that willpower doesn't work, discipline 
requires us to think about it separately from punishment. Now, I might have mentioned this before. All too often, when we think of discipline, we confuse it with the idea of punishment. You see, punishment is revenge, so to speak, for past behavior and past mistakes, past failings and flailings and falls. Discipline is about shaping us to become more of who we are designed to be. Discipline is about looking ahead, looking forward, molding, shaping. And the New Testament uses that language a lot, molding us and shaping us into the image and the behavior of Christ, whereas punishment is all about the things that we've done wrong in the past. And so when we look at this whole idea and concept about being out of control, feeling out of control, the way that we tend to approach this is by self-disciplining in us, more like it's self-flagellation where we're punishing ourselves for the mistakes that we've made. This isn't how God works in our lives. God wants to give us the forgiveness to move our sinfulness as far from us as the east is from the west and to put us on a path where he is able to mold and to shape us into the image of Christ. So you see how this is different, how this works here? And maybe in your own parenting or in your relationships or some of these areas where you feel out of control, like in your finances or your, your health or whatever it is, oftentimes we strike at ourselves for the past mistakes and failings and flailings that, we have, that we've done without thinking in terms of how can I move forward to be better, to be healthier, to be more like Jesus. Discipline is about moving us forward, not punishing ourselves or someone else for the mistakes that we've made in the past. God is far more interested in our discipline than our punishment, but that comes in with his grace. There's a threat to all this, though, which is our next topic. We're going to talk about the threat, the help, and the flesh. The threat is that temptation has a tendency to minimize the sin, or really to minimize our perceived impact of the sin. Something I, I like to talk about quite regularly is that we take this idea that God does forgive us of our sins and removes our sinfulness from us as far as the east is from the west, and we can, if we're not careful, feel or believe that that gives us license to slip into sinful patterns. Earlier in the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul talks about this sin and grace uh, dichotomy, so to speak. And what Paul talks about is that the more that we sin, the more grace God heaps on us to real, for us to realize that it really is about molding and shaping us for future effective behavior. And then the result of that could be if we allow for sin and the temptation to minimize the power and penalty of sin in our lives and say, well, the more that I sin, the more grace I'm going to get. So, woo, doggy, right? And Paul says, that shall not be, right? Do not take advantage of God's forgiveness and God's grace. Don't take it for granted. And so one of the things that happens with the threat is that when we feel tempted to succumb to sin, what we end up doing is minimizing the sin to help us feel better about ourselves, right? I say this quite regularly. What's well, just one little peek or one little sip or one little pill or one little visit or one little whatever? What's well, just one? No one's going to know. It's not going to hurt anybody. That's what happens when we feel tempted, when we begin to get that out-of-control experience in our lives as we begin to downplay the power of sin that happens in our lives. And so then, when we fail, those failures tend to shape 
our identity. This is the cycle of trying and failing, right? The cycle of trying and failing. Failures tend to shape your identity. Folks, this is something, one of those moments of confession that I struggle with so profoundly. The other day, Tiff and I were folding towels, I think it was, and I dealt with something, and I, I channeled my inner cowardly lion. I said, ooh, I'm a failure. Or was that the scarecrow? I can't remember. And I said, I am a failure. I don't even remember what the concept, what the context was, but that was just one of those immediate reflective actions that I went into is that something didn't go the way that I wanted to. I felt out of control about it and I immediately jumped to, I am a failure. Does that resonate with anybody? Can you relate to that? I think we all can. And this is what I've termed the shame sham. The shame sham, which is the third point here. The shame sham tells us that we become, or our identity rather, becomes the shape of our failure. I think it was about a year ago I I talked about this in terms of the identity that God wants you and me to have in Christ, right? The shame sham says that I am a failure, I am uh, lacking control, I am lacking discipline, I am all of these things. But if God is removing our sinfulness from us as far as the east is from the west, and he's giving us a new identity in Jesus Christ, he doesn't want us to say, I am a sinner, I am a this, I am a that. He wants us to say, I am forgiven, I am redeemed, I am restored, I am being made into the image of Christ. Does that mean I'm never going to get it wrong? Say no. But what it does mean is that we have the grace, we have the mercy, we have the forgiveness, and we have the almighty nail-scarred hands of Jesus Christ that are helping us to confront our troubles, our problems, our failures, and our flailings, and to keep us on the right path or to restore us to that path. And so the shame sham says that you are your failure. What the scripture wants you to understand, what God wants you to understand, is that you are not your failures. You are your redemption. And that comes to you through God, thanks to Jesus Christ. And so you might be sitting here wondering, well, what am I missing? Right? I still feel like I'm out of control. Here's the answer. It isn't that you're missing something, but you're missing someone. Think about that. It's not that you're missing something, you are missing someone. The Apostle Paul would write later on about how when we feel tempted, that he will never allow us to experience temptation beyond what we can handle, right? Now, we have distorted this and twisted this and warped this idea, thought, and concept into saying, God's never going to put on you more than you can handle. Well, you know, then the... the Funny retort from that is, I guess, I wish God didn't think so highly of me, right? Well, the reality is, is that life and all the problems and struggles and troubles that we go through in life, they are more than we can handle. And God provides for us the way out. It isn't a thing. It is a person. And who is it? Say Jesus. Jesus gives us the power and the strength and the endurance that we need to face our troubles and to realize they will not overcome us because Jesus has overcome the world. God provides for us the way out, and that is Jesus. You see, when we distort the whole idea about God's not going to put more on you than you can handle, where does it take the focus? It puts it on self, right? That's never God's 
intention. God's intention is for us to get our eyes off of self because that puts us in this spiraling position where we're constantly going to feel out of control. When we do not have the power or the strength or the ability or the intelligence or the wealth or whatever to overcome whatever problem we have, God wants you to shift your focus from self to your salvation that comes only through Jesus Christ. I heard a whispered amen. I can, we can shout that out to the rooftops, right? Amen, right? Because you look back at verse 24 in the passage that we read earlier. Paul wrote, oh, what a miserable person I am. Have you ever said that to yourself? Oh, what a miserable person I am. Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. I think I'll go eat worms. Right? That's the approach that we too frequently take. That's not God's answer. So let's look at the next verse in Romans 7, verse 25, where Paul wrote, Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is? In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. This is that reality. That even though we are forgiven, we are redeemed, we are restored, we still have to wrestle with our sin nature. And so when you feel tempted, when you feel like you're being pulled into the inertia of that self-fulfilling prophecy and self-indulgent behavior, you have to realize that God has provided an opportunity for you to experience the help that you need. Because, as I've already mentioned, it is God who determines your identity. You are not who the devil says you are. You are who God says you are. And so we should see all that on the screen there. God is the one who determines your identity. You are not who the devil says you are. You are who God says you are. There's a cliche that's used in this preaching, teaching idea, right? Is that the devil knows your name but chooses to call you by your sin. Whereas God knows your sin and chooses to call you by your name. In Isaiah chapter 43, when we see one of those beautiful passages where God knows your name, he claims you as his own. He says, I know your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, they will not overwhelm you. When you go through the flames of life, they will not burn you or set you ablaze. So this whole idea that our faith in Christ is supposed to inoculate us against the struggles and the troubles in the world is a fallacy, friends. Rather, what it means is that God knows us and that when we must go through the flooding waters or the raging flames, that we are his. He knows your sinfulness but calls you by your name. And he claims you as his own. And so this leads to another idea that when you know who you are, you know what it is to do. When you know who you are, you know what to do. The shame sham may sit back and say, I am out of control. I am a failure. I am a mess. I am an addict. I am an adulterer. I am whatever. The shame sham is going to tell you that you're lost. You're stuck in that. The help comes in to say, you are not those things. You are a child of God. And that makes you a prince or a princess of the king of kings. So, 
you need to know what to do. This gets back to discipline, right? I know that I need to put a combination electrified lock on the pantry after 8 o'clock at night, right? (laughs) Or whatever it is. I know what it is I need to do. Now, James tells us it's a sin to know what to do and not do it. And so what we need to do is to find that impetus, to find that power that enables us to do what it is that we are called to do. We can find some help for this in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. This is the New International Version. And so the Apostle Paul wrote, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. You will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Let's look at the flesh really quickly. The flesh in the New Testament refers to your sinful nature. And that idea, that connection about the flesh being our sinful nature is used 147 times in the New Testament. So you think it's important? Absolutely. And so what the scripture tells us is not to find confidence in the flesh, i.e. willpower, but to find confidence in the power of God. And that's where we see this idea of walking in the spirit come in. Now, when we get this idea of walking in the spirit, it requires us to think about an active living, right? Not a passive living, not just sitting back and letting things happen to us. It's about being actively involved in molding and shaping our lives. You see the Greek word for this is peripatio. I think that's how I, I don't, that's terrible pronunciation, I'm sure. Uh, but the idea is, is that it's a continuous, regular action with habits and acknowledging that it takes time to get there. Isn't that one of the greatest struggles is that we want to see these results happen immediately. We want to see them just come and wash over us. But it, it takes time. Why is it? You'll see the, the statement below it is because the desires of the flesh seem to have an immediate reward. Right? These things that tempt us, that pull us in, that do seem to have a spiritual inertia to them, they offer us an immediate reward, an immediate gratification. And I think in this world that we live in, our culture, really speaking primarily about here in North American, Western society culture, where everything is available to us like this, and it's like we live in a disposable society, it is so easy for us to think that this immediate result, this immediate gratification, instant gratification, is the way that we're supposed to live. Like it's the default nature of society, but it's not, is it? The way that God wants us to live is to recognize that we have this pull and this inertia that takes us into the areas where we can feel out of control. And the more that we succumb to those, the more out of control that we feel. And we begin to fear that there is no hope for us. And we begin to think, help, I'm out of control. I need help. And what God says to us is allow that power of the Spirit to fill your life and to keep walking. To keep walking. To put your confidence in Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit to come and to fill your life. And so the Holy Spirit, when we're walking in him, it requires us to continue walking. Unfortunately, one of the things that we see happen time and time again is that when we fail, when we fall, we stay down. And we begin to think, I can't, I can't start again. Yes, start again. Don't despise small beginnings because God loves to see you start. God loves to see you begin. Don't just stop there. 
allow the power of the Spirit to fill your life. The breath of God to fill your lungs like the wind fills a sail and propels you forward. Keep moving. Don't quit. Trust the power of God over the power of your own confidence in your flesh or willpower. And so I have five I am statements that I want to leave you with this morning as we prepare to bring this message and this service to a close. That when you are feeling tempted to say, I am a failure, I am whatever, to allow that shame sham to speak into your heart to cause you to think that you were too far gone, too far beyond help, I want you to focus on these five I am statements. I am depending on the Spirit. I am building my faith. I am empowering right action. That's discipline. I am growing closer to God. I am reinforcing a right identity. It's not that I am my failures. It allows us to say, I am forgiven. I am redeemed. I am restored. And I am a vessel that God can and will use to help someone struggling or suffering similarly as you to know that there is hope and meaning beyond the struggle and the suffering. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Right? And so our closing statement says, it is God's power within you that helps you make the necessary changes to live for the Lord. It is God's power within you that helps you make the necessary changes to live for the Lord. Here now this temptation that if you come here this morning or you're with us online and you feel as though your life is completely and totally out of control and you are stuck in that shame sham that says, oh, what a miserable person am I. I want you to move beyond that thought, that feeling, that fear that your identity is wrapped up and tied up in your failures, your flailings, your mistakes, your misgivings, your messes, your misses. Move beyond that and find those I am statements that help you see beyond the immediate struggle and suffering that you are in and to move beyond into a sense of a new, restored, and redeemed identity. I am forgiven. I am redeemed. I am restored. And I am being deployed out into the world of other people who are struggling and suffering similarly to know that there is hope for them too. And so may that power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, fill all of us that we may live accordingly. And so if you need to come to the altar this morning and do a little business with God to confess your feelings of being out of control, or if you need to come and spend some time in prayer and to just breathe deeply, to feel the power of God's Spirit filling your lungs like the sails of a ship to propel you forward without fear or reservation, come and spend some time here as well. Or if you just need to know that you are okay and that sometimes it's okay to not be okay, to keep moving and to keep taking those steps with Jesus, these are the times, this is the place where you can make such a statement and find a commitment and find that I am 
the great I am of God himself, changing your life and moving you forward in his grace and in his image. Amen. As the band comes and make their way up, let me close us in a word of prayer. Almighty God, I thank you for today. I thank you for the reality that so often we feel as though we are out of control. And it feels as though this world is throwing things at us that we just do not know how to handle. And that reality, Lord, is, is true. Forgive us for the fallacies that we live into when we think that we have all that we need in order to overcome the problems and the struggles in the world. But we don't if we don't have you. And so, Lord God, I thank you for being present with us and helping to mold and shape our lives to be more like your Son and our Savior, Jesus. And I ask for the power of your Holy Spirit to fill our hearts and our minds and our lungs so that we may be propelled and we may move forward in your image and for your purpose. And so, Lord God, help us to know that with your power within us, we can indeed make the necessary changes to live for you. And so when we face the threat, find the help, and understand the inertia of the flesh, that we might turn to you and seek the solution, to seek the escape, and to find the hope for eternity beginning right here and right now. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. Thank you again for joining us today. We are glad that you stopped by. Again, we want to encourage you to visit us online at placeofhope.org. If you're in the Paulding County area, there you can get service times, directions, and information about all of our awesome activities for children, for students, and for adults. Again, Hope Church is on a mission to introduce people to Jesus and fuel their love for Him, and we hope to provide you the heart fuel you need to follow Jesus. Thanks again.